Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Appreciate Dave Clausen of Wake Forest for dropping by. His Deeks 2-0 as they host North Carolina tomorrow night. Our next guest got on the winning track this past weekend. David Cutcliffe of Duke has been the National Coach of the Year, the SEC Coach of the Year, the ACC Coach of the Year with his Blue Devils. And they are back on the road this week at Middle Tennessee. Most of you know that Coach Cut came into our minds first as that mentor to Peyton Manning and others while at Tennessee. Coach Cut, you had a homecoming when you had to deal with Alabama in week one, given that's your native state and your alma mater. Are you already dealing with another series of homecoming-style questions? I know it's middle Tennessee, not the volunteers, but I have a feeling that uh, those questions have been coming your way. Oh, yeah, a little bit. We're going to have some um, later on today, we were, we're going to have some of those Nashville uh, interviews. But my wife's the one dealing with it the most, just getting all the ticket <laughs> lined up. She was working on that last night and thank goodness I don't get involved with that. I was just listening to your news and I think I just heard the earliest scholarship offer ever. Uh you may not have been listening, but twenty twenty eight uh oh, no. Tennessee, but it was the young man that was that made the um the homemade U T Oh yeah. Okay. And Got was it. Bullied, but they did offer him a scholarship yeah. already. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Hey, I've told you before, you're one of the only guests we've ever had where of course Duke fans love you, but somehow some way. I mean, this is to me close to turning water into wine. Carolina fans like and respect you, ECU fans, NC State, Wake Forest fans. It seems like you've left similar footprints where you've been as a coach. Ole Miss is a head coach, but also a long time with the Tennessee Volunteers? What was that, early 80s all the way to almost the end of the 1990s? How do you describe uh, your relationship with Vols Nation, given that they're in a bad place right now? You've taken Duke to a great place, and we know they've knocked on your door over the years. Well, I mean, it's it's still really, really good. I don't have anybody that has shown any animosity. Um, they'll say certain things to me, you know, I'll quite often about, you know, wish you would have never left. Yeah. I get that more than anything else. They know uh, leaving is not my fault. <laughs> you <Right. know? laughs> so I, I get that, and I'm very humbled by that and appreciative. And I really appreciate the statement that you just made. And, and that's just because of the way I was raised. I tell this to young coaches that I've worked with through the years. Never put yourself in a situation where you can't go back where you've been. Hmm. Uh, people that burn bridges, people that shortcut things, whether it's a high school somewhere in the country, but anywhere you've ever been all along, that that makes you make a lot of the right choices, period. And I think when we've done that, we have been able to, you know, to live a little better. And, and isn't that what we're all supposed to to do. If you were raised by Raymond and Francis Cutcliffe, that was the premium of parenting and their world was two things, leave a place better than you found it, but always be able to return, treat people well. I love it. David Cutcliffe on life sports, football, and his Blue Devils weekly here on the David Glenn Show during college football season. He has taken his Devils to six bowls in the last seven years. They have won their last three postseason matchups. They're headed to Middle Tennessee this week after a win over North Carolina A&T this past weekend. 
on the outside, Coach, you know, everybody would have expected you to lose to the number two team in the nation, Alabama, and you described how they were not only great in the obvious ways, you kind of gave us your coaching eyes on how they were great in even other ways, and we all would have expected you to beat one of the better FCS programs in the country in North Carolina A&T. So all of us are saying, oh, well, they're one and one, just like we thought they would be. What are you and your coaches see that kind of peels the onion a lot deeper than most expecting a one-and-one start? Yeah, I, I think you, you have to ignore the record. And, and I think particularly early in a season, I mean, we all know the reality of where we are. Uh, the first thing you look at is, okay, are, are we clean? Are we making mistakes? Are we having assignment errors? We've had too many penalties. That's an obvious, although some of them were a little questionable. But, um, you know, those types of things should start cleaning themselves up. This week at practice, we, we have been clean. I mean, we really – our guys are taking the challenge, and it's why I love this huge challenge of going too middle on the road. That's where the ultimate test comes. Um, you're going to be under the pressure of an opponent. You're under the, under the pressure of a really tough environment. Middle Tennessee is a football school. You know, I mean, they, they take their football serious over there. And so I'm anxious to see if we take the next step. That's yeah, I sure hope we're two and one. That's the name of the game is winning. But I, I think we should see a lot better Duke team. That's how I feel about it right now. So we've we've tried to correct our mistakes in in losing, and we've tried hard to do the same. We treat it all the same, uh, correct our mistakes in winning. And uh, I'd much rather correct them after a win. But you know, you still have to do it either way. Coach, you are the ultimate quarterbacks guru in a lot of people's eyes, from Peyton Manning to Eli Manning to all the questions you got about uh, Daniel Jones, your QB here in recent years, now with the New York Giants. I wonder your answer to the question about, in your case this year, you happen to have a fifth-year senior in Quentin Harris, so this, that's a different animal. But around the country, we're seeing freshmen and often true freshman quarterbacks make really big positive impressions. You know, Sam Howell at Carolina. Last year it was Sam Hartman at Wake Forest. Has, how much has the world changed when it comes to what you expect about, of a freshman quarterback? Because we're hearing a lot about passing academies and, you know, uh, more advanced offenses at the high school level. Is it night and day compared to when you were at Tennessee? Has it been a gradual progression? Where do you see that? Well, I think it, it is almost, if not night and day. The offenses they've been in are very similar to what we're all doing. Uh, you're taking snaps from the gun. People have simplified what a quarterback has to know. There's some things good in that, and there's some things that may later on make it tough for them to be an NFL player. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're taking the snap. They've simplified reads. <coughs> Protections are not their world to worry about other than maybe knowing who's coming free. Um, you know, I don't know many quarterbacks that can fix protections now, and that's a big thing of what we have to have, and we're going to have to have this this week to, to be successful. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I, I think that's not going to – that trend's going to continue. Plus, I think these quarterbacks travel. They go to camps. Yep. They, I mean – there's so much, they've been so exposed to so many things 
And I just I think we're going to see that more and more and more, that if a guy's a good player, he can come in and get it done for you as a freshman. As a fifth-year senior, what have you seen from Quentin Harris? Um, you know, Uh-oh, we just lost our signal with Coach Cut. He's usually joining us on the landline. That's extra unusual. We'll find out what happened there. You keep me posted, Darren. We may have to hit a break because uh, you got him? Is he still there? Go ahead and put him back on, and we'll see if we can uh, get him out of here and on to his next interview. Go ahead, Coach. I, of course, I'd asked you about Quentin Harris, and then we lost your line there. Okay, no problem. Um, Quentin, you know, you throw the first game out as an outlier. I know that was a lot of pressure on him. I think he just played last week. I've said it all along. He is he's played an incredible arm, arm strength, accuracy down the field. I want to see him relax and go to progress and continue to be aggressive, which he has four long touchdown passes uh, a week ago. But, you know, he is, he's a guy, and with, with good reason. I mean, he could have been a starting quarterback at a lot of places over the last three or four years. You're mentioning young people starting. Our system's a little bit different, and so Daniel said a year, Eli Manning said a year. But you know what? Quentin is going to take advantage of this. What I've seen is that he's every bit as poised and capable as I prayed and hoped he was going to be. So we're going to have some fun. Coach Cut, I'm sorry if I cut you off. I think you're hearing me better than we're hearing you. So what we're going to do is let you go until next week. Uh, we'll try to figure out if it's something on our end because the last thing we want is you doing all your national interviews with you having a phone issue. So we're going to let you go for now, try to figure out if it's you or us, and then send you on your way. We wish you well at Middle Tennessee, and we'll talk to you again next Thursday. That's David Cutcliffe. He is the 12th year head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. Six years ago, he was the national coach of the year. Why? Because he took a program that had rarely been in the national rankings for about 50 years. And he took them to a top 25 finish, the ACC football championship game. That's what the guy does. He was great for the Tennessee Volunteers as a coordinator and quarterbacks coach, great for Ole Miss as a head coach, and has been fantastic and a perfect fit for Duke as their football coach these last 12 years. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. We apologize for those technical difficulties. We'll figure out where they came from as we come back to your calls. 1-800-849-2761. Antonio Brown, Buccaneers at Panthers. More of my thoughts on tonight's matchup on the other side. More of your questions about the Panthers half of that equation, especially. 1-800-849-2761. What else has come up today in case you're just joining us? Team USA lost again in basketball. It will be the worst international finish while using NBA players in the last three decades. It's not the Olympics, but it is the World Cup of basketball, the second most important international event in that sport. The baton pass from Mike Krzyzewski of Duke to Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs has not been a smooth one, to say the least. Major League Baseball has set its all-time single-season home run record. That's as a league, and there are plenty of games to be played and positions, playoff positions to be grabbed by the teams that we follow. 1-800-849-2761. Of course, college football and the NFL are front and center. Antonio Brown leftovers are fair game as well. 1-800-849-2761. More on Buccaneers at Panthers Thursday night football style next on the David Glenn Show. 
Adam Jerome Robinson. Are you a hugger or a handshake guy? H- how does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> uh, you know, I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing, but I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him, no hands. I think he's uh, a hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. to the David Glenn Show. College football is fair game. A horse caught using steroids, also fair game. Team USA swirling down the toilet at the World Cup of basketball, fair game. College football, Wake hosting state, Wake hosting Carolina, excuse me, tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, national TV spotlight on ESPN, NFL, national spotlight nfl network 8 20 or so will be the kickoff buccaneers visiting the panthers we welcome your questions comments or predictions on those matters also antonio brown leftovers you can be next at 1-800-849-2761 that is your ticket into the program the buccaneers visiting the panthers as i said with will brinson when he was our guest a little bit earlier appreciate coach cut and coach clausen for dropping by as well if i were david tepper the panthers owner I would expect to win tonight's game. Why do I say that? Bruce Arians is brand new at Arizona. Heck of a coach, might prove to be the best of the eight hires. 32 teams, remember a full one quarter of them, are new head coaches in the NFL this season. Bruce Arians is a really good coach. At his best, he's one of those difference makers. Bill Belichick is the greatest difference maker from the head coaching position. I've always believed Ron Rivera is an above-average head coach. I wouldn't quite put him into the greatest difference maker category. Sometimes you call Cam Newton an above-average NFL quarterback who at his best, in his best year, is top five, or as an MVP, he would be number one. At his worst, he's usually good. And I think that applies to both Cam Newton and Ron Rivera in their nine years together. But at their best, Cam Newton has been an MVP. I'm not ready to crown Ron Rivera as a Bill Belichick-type figure. Since Bruce Arians is brand new, you'd figure that he inherited something tough. He did. And it's going to take him a while to build what he wants to build there. In all likelihood, that'll be the case Only the rare Matt Nagy turns around the Bears in his first year and wins 12 games. And remember, the Bears had a lot more pieces in place when Nagy got there, and they just needed to see if Mitch Trubisky would be good enough last year. Well, he was good enough. 12 wins, playoff appearance. They didn't go as far as they wanted to go in the postseason, but Matt Nagy had that first-year splash in part because he, he proved to be a really good coach, but in part because the Bears on defense and even surrounding Trubisky on offense had a lot of other really quality pieces. As I come to your call, serious question, who is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers' second best player? I would, like off the top of my head, without looking at their depth chart, in the middle of the summer, we're playing at the beach. DG, who's the Buccaneers' best player? You know what I might have said? Two guys come to mind. Mike Evans, the wide receiver. He's long, he's lean, he's a playmaker. He's, a, he's produced over a long period. I'm a body of work kind of guy. Mike Evans' body of work as a star wide receiver in this league is first class. The other answer I might have given you in the middle of the summer is Gerald McCoy, who is now, of course, a member of your Carolina Panthers. Through those eyes, as we welcome your calls, 1-800-849-2761, David Tepper, Panthers' second-year owner. Remember, they missed the playoffs last year, and he was used to going to the playoffs almost every year when he was a minority owner of that Pittsburgh Steelers franchise. Ron Rivera, by year nine, 
should be greater than to steal a symbol from your kindergarten or first grade math class. Ron Rivera in year nine should be greater than Bruce Arians in year one. Similarly, your ninth year quarterback, Cam Newton, who I would argue has been pr proven to be far more good than bad, a wise use overall, even with his warts, of the number one overall pick in the 2011 draft when he was that national champion and Heisman winning quarterback out of Auburn. Remember, Tampa also hitched its wagon to a number one overall pick from a traditional college football powerhouse who had won the national championship and who did end up being number one, not just first rounder, but number one overall. Cam Newton, number one overall in 2011 after those great things. Wise use of that top pick. Jameis Winston, number one overall in 2015, was pretty darn good as a rookie. He made the all-rookie team. He played in the Pro Bowl that year. Hasn't been as much since on the field. Meanwhile, he has committed some of the cardinal sins of being a leader from the quarterback position. Of all the guys you can't see end up in the knucklehead headlines, your starting quarterback leads that list, right? And it was Jameis Winston dealing with the suspension last year after he was accused of groping his Uber driver and denied it, denied it, denied it, denied it, denied it, right? And then when things got real... He admitted it, and he apologized for it. But then he left his team hanging for a number of games in what turned out to be a coach-killing type of season, right? So Jameis at his best has been pretty good. Jameis has been more down than up, I would argue, through these five years in Tampa. Cam more up than down through this now nine years with the Carolina Panthers. I ask who's their second-best player because if I'm David Tepper and I see Ron Rivera year nine greater than Bruce Arians year one, and I see Cam Newton year nine greater than Jameis Winston year five, I'm looking at the rest of my depth chart. Quarterbacks don't win alone. Coaches, as Team USA and China just reminded us, even the greatest NBA coach perhaps, Greg Popovich, doesn't win nearly as much when he's taking the Americans' C team to the World Cup, much less the B team. Well, it works that way with NFL coaches as well. When Bill Belichick didn't have good players or enough of them, he started his NFL head coaching career as a losing coach. Easy to forget. When Mike Krzyzewski was first at Duke in the early 1980s, he won at such a low level that the concerned Iron Dukes were created and they wanted to run the guy whose name they couldn't spell or pronounce the day he was hired. They were ready to run him out of town. Now, there are documentaries made because he stayed and he turned about out to be the real guy, but when? Only after getting a lot of high-level players. At this point, he churns out the best recruiting classes on a regular basis at Duke, and he, he churns out ACC champions and national champions and other contenders on a regular basis as well. These things are intimately related to one another. When you look at the head coach, Rivera, over Arians, when you look at the quarterback, Winston, Newton over Winston, when you look at the depth chart, after Mike Evans, who really scares you tonight? And this is why if I'm David Tepper, I'm not going to reach for the panic button if something goes wrong tonight. I'm not going to fire Marty Herney or Ron Rivera if something goes wrong tonight. But I am heading to my luxury suite expecting to win. I am heading to my luxury suite expecting not to lose the battle of the head coaches. Who had the better wrinkles in a game, the Rams won by three over the Panthers. Did you see that one possession where Sean McVay had his players line up for a crucial third down really quickly? 
not your usual pace. And the Panthers defenders were coming on the field and off the field and looking to the sidelines for the signal. What if that one third down conversion, Sean McVay converted as a difference maker at the head coaching position? The guy's won more than 75% of his games as a third-year NFL head coach. Bill Belichick is not winning 75% of his games. So what if Sean McVay, there's one example, maybe there are others you remember from the loss to the Rams, or Rams over Panthers, I should say. In a game that ends up being decided by three points, I could circle a few McVeigh over Rivera difference-making moments. I could also circle massive miscues by Cam Newton, the rookie mistake throwing right to the linebacker for one interception, the was it deflected or not, but it's Cam's job to make sure he throws into the flat forward so that it's not considered a lateral and a fumble. Those are on Cam. You can't have Jared Goff over Cam Newton and Sean McVay over Ron Rivera. You can't slightly lose the coaching battle and slightly or broadly lose the quarterback battle and expect to beat certainly a quality team like the L.A. Rams. Mike Evans is one guy you need to game plan for. You don't know what you're going to get from Jameis Winston. Threw three picks last week to the San Francisco 49ers and cost his team points offensively, pick-six style, right? He's also been pretty good in other years, but his best year is a fading memory in the eyes of the Buccaneers fans. Carolina offers one of the best linebackers in the NFL in Luke Keekley, one of the best running backs, dual threat, I'll say, running and receiving in Christian McCaffrey. At his best, an elite quarterback in Cam Newton. We know he hasn't been that consistently. And the they got him from the Buccaneers in the offseason defensive tackle, Gerald McCoy. As Will Brinson said, this might be a revenge game tonight for Gerald McCoy, who didn't like the way the Buccaneers handled some of the things related to his departure. And Dominic and Sue got his jersey number, you know, before the body was cold, so to speak. He didn't like that. He's not so mad that he's not going to retire someday as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, so he still has that relationship with ownership. But as we come to your calls, Eric and Raleigh will be next at 1-800-849-2761. If I'm David Tepper, I expect to win because of that coaching dynamic, that quarterback dynamic, and that depth chart dynamic. The Panthers have four, five, six, seven dudes you need to worry about. James Bradbury, to me, quietly was the best player on the defensive side of the field for the Panthers against the Rams. He had the pick. He had that fantastic sack when most DBs would have kind of lingered in coverage and Jared Goff is rolling out. It is what do the coaches always tell you. Don't get caught in the middle. Either cover someone or go attack that quarterback like you're shot out of a cannon. Don't get caught in the middle. Well, a lot of NFL D-backs get caught in the middle in the heat of the moment all the time. Not Bradbury. He's not a young guy anymore, and he played McCaffrey the star on offense. Bradbury, to me, was the star on defense. The Bucks might have one or two. Remember, Jason Pierre-Paul was in that car accident and has had other medical issues. He's not even on the active roster tonight. So the other, McCoy's no longer on the team. Pierre Paul's not on the active roster. Mike Evans will play tonight. Eric and Raleigh is next on the David Glenn Show and has a good answer to the question. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be next. Eric, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good, DJ. How are you doing? I'm doing well. What's on your mind? Good. Hey, uh, just to touch on the second best player in the bucket would be Levante David. 
True. Looking back, there's no doubt he has been a brilliant linebacker for them. Is he full bore right now? Is he yeah. you know, starting healthy and all the rest? Yeah, he's 100%. He got eight, eight tackles last week. Because um, at, thir- at 30 years old, I'd still call him one of the five best linebackers in the NFL. Yep, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one more name. All right, who's the third with. best player on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? We have one elite guy on offense in Mike Evans. We have one elite guy on defense in Levante David. I'm not sure and, the list goes much longer than that, but could give it a try. Well, I'm going to give you a young guy that's going to eat it up tonight. Vita Vea. Vita Vea on the defensive line. Maybe so. We'll see. Well, some people, and, and Dominic and Sue at his best. I mean, I, in, in all honesty, 30-plus years of covering college-level college, college level football, and Dominic and Sue was one of the most dominant defensive linemen I have ever seen, period. Like, when, when that whole crazy discussion about, well, wait a minute, a defensive lineman is never a candidate for the Heisman Trophy. I'm like, well, if there's ever one that is, this is the guy. And he's been a great, at times, NFL player as well. So it's not like they're the little sisters of the poor coming to Bank of America Stadium tonight. Those are two dangerous defensive linemen, Vita Vey and, and Dominic and Sue. That is a, a pro ball linebacker in Levante David. That is a big-time wide receiver. But the Panthers' list is longer. I appreciate you calling, Eric, 1-800-849-2761. And if I'm David Tepper, and I didn't like making the play, missing the playoffs last year, and I'm scrutinizing my quarterback, my GM, and my head coach, this is the kind of game I truly expect to win. In the NFL, it's not like college football. You know, we talked with Coach Cut. Of course, you were going to lose to Alabama and Atlanta. And, of course, you were going to beat FCS, North Carolina A&T. Alabama is a super heavyweight of the FBS subdivision, and Duke is a good program, but not ready for that. A&T is one of the great programs at the FCS level, routinely in the top 25. HBCU national champion three of the last four years. I mean, at that level, they dominate at times. But Duke at the FBS level, as a member of the ACC, is expected to win and expected to win convincingly. Duke did it to A&T, as we thought. Duke got crushed by Alabama as we thought. That summarizes much of college football. And the coin flip games are more, you know, Wake hosting Carolina tomorrow night. Even Florida State at UVA. You know, good luck guessing whether the Seminoles will finally remember that they're Florida State or whether UVA's lofty preseason expectations, Coastal Division favorite and otherwise, are going to be realized. I actually would still bet on the Cavaliers because I'm not betting on Willie Taggart leading those Seminoles out of that funk. The point is, at the college level, you have some guessing game matchups, and you have a huge number of we mostly know who is going to win. You almost never. I would say if there's a 16-game NFL weekend, a full weekend, nobody has a bye week, what is there at most one game where you really know who is going to win? As we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. I say this because the Panthers should win. The Panthers are better than the Buccaneers. But it's not Alabama against Duke. It's not Duke over A&T. It's a different animal at the NFL level. They have those guys in Tampa and are capable of a win. But when you look around the NFL, of course, we expect the New England Patriots to annihilate the rebuilding-slash-tanking Miami Dolphins who were truly an embarrassment to the NFL against Baltimore last week as the Patriots embarrassed a team that might turn out to be pretty good, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you have the almighty Patriots, best in the NFL perhaps again, against the woeful Dolphins, 
the best bet to be the worst in the NFL given their rebuilding slash tanking mode. Other than that, number one versus number 32, how many do you really say you know who's going to win? Panthers are favored by six over the Buccaneers, but it just doesn't work this way in the NFL. I think the Ravens will beat Arizona this weekend in Baltimore, but you betting your life on it the way you would Alabama over Duke? Maybe not. I think Houston will beat Jacksonville, Texans at home, another somewhat lopsided at first glance matchup. When you, the, the, the uh, Patriots, last I saw, were only a 10-point favorite over the Miami Dolphins. Now, I might be looking at like the 538 number instead of the Vegas betting window number, but that seems really small, doesn't it? You rarely see 14-plus point point spreads in the NFL. You see them every single weekend in college football. This matchup, through David Tepper's eyes, feels like there's no reason the Panthers should lose to the Buccaneers, and yet it's in the real world that is the NFL where you just can't assume those sorts of things most of the time. 1-800-849-2761. We will get to more of your phone calls on the other side. I will give you a heads up about what else is coming in the football weekend that awaits us. You can be next with your question, comment, complaint, or prediction. 1-800-849-2761. Did you know that when Mike Krzyzewski brought a really young team to the World Cup 13 years ago, he didn't win the gold medal either. That reminder with more of your football calls next on the David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome yeah. back to the David Glenn Show. Last year, two chains came walking by, and he reached his hand yeah. down and uh, shook my hand and said, two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings. <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A couple of quick NFL updates. They're not brand new, I don't think, but the Jets quarterback Sam Darnold will be out for quite a while with mono. Again, a lot of folks don't realize that that diagnosis, while not too scary sounding, the kissing disease it's, as it's been called, does involve an exaggerated, enlarged, irritated spleen. And if you play a contact sport while carrying mono, and you get hit in the wrong place, seriously, you could die. So that's why Sam Darnold, the young Jets quarterback, will be sidelined for quite a while. Darius Geis, the Washington starting running back, could miss six to eight weeks with his knee problem. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. I have a quick NFL ratings update because all the numbers are in by now, of course, from week one as we look forward to tonight's matchup on the NFL Network, Buccaneers at Panthers. And we have some quick fallout from what I mentioned earlier or before the break, Jerry Colangelo of USA Basketball has now chimed in on the debacle that it turned out to be for Team USA under now Greg Popovich, the Spurs head coach. They not only lost to France in the quarterfinals, they lost to Serbia today in a consolation game. They have one more consolation game, the Americans do. The outcome of that will determine whether they are seventh or eighth in 30 years it has been gold medal after gold medal after gold medal for the most part under Coach K and others at the Olympics. And it's been gold, gold, gold for the most part at the World Cup under Coach K and others. There are some exceptions to that. But for 30 years, while using NBA players, prior to that, no pros were uh, used by our country anyway. 30 years, the track record 
with only tiny examples was we're the best in the world. We remind everybody of that. The dream team was exactly that. And we carry the number one world ranking in this sport routinely. Jerry Colangelo is the USA Basketball Managing Director who, along with Mike Krzyzewski, helped change the culture of USA Basketball, helped inspire more of the best players to participate and be invested in it. After, remember, a Larry Brown coached Team USA failed to come home from the Olympics with a gold medal. And that was a shock because in the 90s it was the Dream Team and Dream Team 2. And, of course, we not only beat people, we beat people by insane averages, like 40 points, 50 points, 60 points in some uh, isolated examples. Of the 35 players originally selected for this year's Team USA pool, only four are in China for the FIBA World Cup. And Jerry Colangelo, a little bit earlier today, I can only say you can't help but notice and remember who you thought you were going to war with and who didn't show up. That's Jerry Colangelo quoted on the record today. I'm a firm believer that you deal with the cards you're dealt. All we could have done, all we could have done, and we did it, is get the commitments from a lot of players. So with that kind of a hand, you feel reasonably confident that you're going to be able to put a very good representative team on the court. No one would have anticipated the pullouts that we have had. That is Jerry Colangelo himself. I think Greg Popovich, in the heat of the moment, is choosing his words carefully and complimenting the guys who were there on the idea that if we're not nice to these dudes who did take up a big chunk of their summer as multi-million dollar athletes who remember in international competition, you are getting stipends and stuff like that. In the Olympics, you do get like a, a medal bonus, for example. But in terms of like fundamental compensation, you're not getting that. You get exposure, you get the bonus money if you win a medal, and you get those stipends, and of course all your expenses are handled. But in the old days, it was college kids saying, wow, I could represent my country? They weren't thinking about anything else. It's an honor to represent your country. Even when they started using pros, the money was not so extraordinary that you feel like you're putting at risk a $30 million a year player, right? So 20-some years ago, it was a different balance of power, if you will. And there was some honor, and you weren't risking as much money. And now... Everything has changed. Maybe the honor has worn off for some. The risk is greater. Paul George hurt himself while playing for Team USA. There is insurance for such things. But with the NBA season being so long, especially if you're on a really good team, maybe you want a break. Maybe you're going to get married that summer. Some guys, of course, were injured. If Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson wanted to represent Team USA, they couldn't have given their serious injuries suffered during the NBA championship series this past year. But that number is striking, right? Of the original 35 in the U.S. player pool, only four actually represented our country in China. I mentioned one reference for those who are trying to make this more of a coaching thing than it actually is. When young, younger Mike Krzyzewski took a young Team USA to the same event, World Cup, back in 2006, this is before or in the midst of all of his other gold medals. In fact, he only lost one game. He, Coach K was the head coach of the U.S. men's national team for like 80-some games and won all but one. The one exception was in the World Cup. And when he took a lesser, younger, inexperienced team to the World Cup in 2006 and 
This year, Greg Popovich took our C team there, so there are some parallels. Even that greatest of all time college coach, you could argue that Mike Shashevsky is the greatest of all time Team USA head coach, and you'd be right, actually, in both contexts. When he took, you know, a 21-year-old Carmelo Anthony and a 21-year-old Chris Paul, and I think LeBron was only, you know, maybe 20 at that point, and it was an older Antoine Jameson. Uh, it was an older Shane Battier, the former Duke player. But it was not seasoned NBA superstars. The comparison is this. When Mike Krzyzewski led Team USA to the gold medal at the Olympics in 2012, his starters were Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, and whichever big guy happened to be standing around at the time. You know, some mixture of Tyson Chandler and the rest of those dudes. He had Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench, Kevin Love coming off the bench, Russell Westbrook coming off the bench, James Harden coming off the bench, Anthony Davis coming off the bench, and Andre Iguodala coming off the bench. Like, Coach, the guys cut, cut from Mike Krzyzewski's Olympic teams would have been our best players on this year's World Cup team. And yet, when 31 out of 35 say no, you're sending your C team. And Kemba Walker, Harrison Barnes, you know, Jason Tatum of Duke before he got hurt, Barnes representing the Tar Heels. We have local representatives on these international teams every single time in basketball, dating back decades. It's incredible. It's, if it's not Dean Smith or Mike Krzyzewski coaching the team, it's, you know, former Tar Heels and former Blue Devils all over the place with, you know, the occasional Chris Paul from Wake's Forest sprinkled in. When Mike Krzyzewski brought the A-team into international competition, Mike Krzyzewski brought gold home every single time. When Mike Krzyzewski brought the B-team, he didn't come back from the World Cup with gold. And when Greg Popovich brought the C-team, he's fighting for seventh or eighth place. It is really that simple. When you, you won't believe the big picture is in part this. Serbia beat us earlier today. Do you know how many all – there are 15 all-NBA teams – you should never be able to say out loud, Serbia had as many all-NBA players in its starting lineup than we did, as, as we did. We had one and they had one. They had Nikola Djokic and we had Kemba Walker. And when France eliminated us in the quarterfinals, guess what? They had one all-NBA player just like we had one all-NBA player. Rudy Gobert was one of the what? Half a dozen best players in the entire NBA this past season, the Jazz big man? Like, what is what world are we living in? France and Serbia have as many All-NBA guys on their rosters as we have on ours? That's a long, dramatic, disappointing fall from grace. And I know the dynamics have changed, but that's disappointing, isn't it? Maybe we're spoiled. We just crank out gold medals left and right, even sometimes with our B team. The C team, as the rest of the world gradually has narrowed the gap, they haven't caught up. Our A-team still squashes other people's A-teams. All those other all-NBA guys, right? Who was on it this past season? Well, Paul George was on it. He wasn't representing Team USA. Jokic was first team. He was representing his native Serbia. Giannis was first team. Did he bag the World Cup? Nope. He represented his home country of Greece. James Harden, first team, not for the Americans. Steph Curry, first team, not there for the Americans. Again, some of these guys are worn out. Some of them have legitimate excuses. Some of them have personal commitments. And, of course, you forgive the guys who have injuries. 
But isn't that interesting? The two first-team All-NBA guys who are not Americans did play for their countries. The three All-NBA guys who were um, Americans did not play for their country. Keep it going. KD was second team. Injury, of course. Kawhi Leonard, American, not there. Damian Lillard, American, not there. Kyrie Irving, American, not there. Joel Embiid, not eligible to represent our country, right? These are the All-NBA guys from last season. Blake Griffin, not there. LeBron James, not there. Oh, Rudy Gobert was All-NBA. Did he play? Oh, yeah, he did play for France. Russell Westbrook, American, not there. 11 Americans out of the 15 All-NBA guys. One of those 11, Kemba Walker, formerly of your Hornets, now with the Boston Celtics, was the only guy who said yes. And that Colangelo number I hadn't seen before. 35 guys on the orig- in the original talent pool, and only four and of those 35 ended up representing our country. Man, that, that's broken. That's embarrassing. Seventh and eighth place are embarrassing, but that explains how we got there. It always starts with the players. Coaching matters, but again, even Coach K didn't come home with gold when he took the B team. Final thoughts, TV picks, and some eye-opening NFL TV ratings numbers as we come down the stretch next on the David Glenn Show. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to to just do it right. All the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody at another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the they come. Special thanks to Will Brinson of CBS Sports, Dave Clawson of Wake Forest, always a lot of fun. David Cutcliffe of Duke on Life Sports Football and his Blue Devils. Good luck to the Carolina Panthers tonight. I like the Panthers. Maybe 26 to 13-ish. I don't think the Panthers can just ram it down the Buccaneers' throats. That front seven of Tampa has enough good pieces, including Levante David, that it's just not going to be that easy. I do agree with Will Brinson that the D-backs of Tampa shouldn't be able to keep up with guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. It's time for those young dudes to grow up and make some plays, like starting tonight at Bank of America Stadium. Your TV picks this evening beyond that matchup. That's 8 o'clock on the NFL Network. And one ratings number, I promised. NFL ratings are up 5% from last year through week one. 43% bump in digital streaming of NFL games. More on that story tomorrow. Besides Bucks, Panthers, NFL Network at 8, you get Braves, Phillies on Fox proper. A little bit of an anomaly late in the Major League Baseball season. Also, the ACC basketball schedule release on the ACC Network at 9. Bunch of women's soccer matchups, too. Enjoy the games. See you tomorrow. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina. Love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.